The May Queen, produced by Reverie Theatre Company, is a fun, dark and surprising office comedy. It follows five small-town characters who work in the local insurance agency and whose lives remain interconnected because of their shared high school past. This hilarious and touching play that's The Office Meets Mean Girls is being staged at Level 117 Studios Narang from June 9th to 17th. You can book tickets on the Reverie Theatre Company's Facebook or Instagram page. Click the links in the body of this podcast. This is a Drama Merchant audio production. The Drama Merchant offers you the Radio Play Hour. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Radio Play Hour, a unique audio experience as we revive classic radio dramas, feature new works, workshop ideas, and indulge in some good old-fashioned audio storytelling. I'm the Drama Merchant, your host, and in this episode, I'm thrilled to present The Ambassador's Pet, a story from my collection, Astounding Stories, Volume 1. This diplomat had to be treated with kid gloves, My orders were clear on that. Trouble was, my instructions from Earth didn't cover an unusual subject. Join me, Nathan Schultz, as I narrate Alexander Blade's short story, The Ambassador's Pet. I picked up sealed orders at the routing desk of Space Service. They were addressed to Captain Johnny Martin of the Spaceship 13-XV-1, which was my name and my ship. They said, Proceed to Aldebaran 7 at once. You are to pick up an Aldebaranian ambassador and transfer him to Earth for high-level diplomatic talks. You are to treat him with utmost courtesy. Relations between Earth and Aldebaran 7 are in a very delicate state at this time. The ambassador informs us he plans to bring a pet with him to Earth. Pets, huh? I snorted a little and folded the orders away in my pocket. Well, I suppose it came in the line of duty. If they ordered me to ferry Aldebaranian pets, I'd ferry Aldebaranian pets. All in a day's work, I told myself. I stopped off and had a couple of beers before returning to the ship. Mirsil, my first officer, was waiting for me. Well, pick up the orders? I nodded. Yep. Got him right here. I unfolded them and handed them over to him. He ran his eyes over them quizzically. Okay. He said. I guess we go to Aldebaran, huh? Our instructions came in detail a little while later. We were to hover over Aldebaranian 7 and give a special signal. A transfer bug would come to us from the surface and hand the ambassador and his pet over to us. Under no conditions were we to land on Aldebaranian 7 itself. The natives would regard it as a breach of truce that currently existed between their world and ours. Okay, I thought. I didn't care. I gave the orders to the crew at nightfall and we left Earth, a little past midnight. Mirsul had already instructed the astrogator about our next destination and he'd whipped up the course. We did some hundred thousand miles on Ion Drive and then, safely clear of Earth's grav field, converted over and popped into war. Aldebaran lay three weeks ahead of us through hyperspace. Yeah. 
Earth and Aldebaran had first contact about 10 years before. I didn't know anything particular about the planet or its people. There are enough worlds in the galaxy so you don't get to know each type of alien there is. We had a special cabin ready on board the ship for the Aldebaranian ambassador and his pet. Instructions told us to prepare a special fluorine atmosphere, which meant the Aldebaranians couldn't be much like us. But they had agreed to negotiate a treaty of friendship with Earth, and were sending an ambassador. That was good news, I thought. We popped out of warp right on schedule, and there was the giant hazy red sun that was Aldebaran, staring us right in the face. It seemed to fill the entire sky. Our astrogator plotted a course rapidly for Aldebaran 7, which was a really good ways across the heavens from where we were. The Aldebaran system is a huge one, 31 planets spread over 6 or 7 billion miles of space. Most of them were dead worlds. It was only Aldebaran 7 that had any sort of intelligent life, or so our survey teams reported. It took three days more to get within hailing distance of the seventh planet. It spun beneath us, a pretty blue-green ball about the size of Earth. We came within about a million miles and set up an orbit as per instructions. No sooner had we done that, that we soon found ourselves surrounded by a flock of alien warships. I went into the radio room and made contact. State name and object here. I was ordered, in a crisp, business-like voice. I'm Johnny Martin, captain of the Terran vessel 13-XV-1, with no hostile intent. We're here to pick up an ambassador from Aldebaran to Earth, along with his pet. I heard some hasty conferring going on, and then someone said, Hold on, Terran ship. We'll check with the home planet. Five tenths minutes passed, minutes which I half expected to be blown out of the sky by a sudden attack. You can never tell with aliens. They're likely to do almost anything. Their psychologies are unpredictable in Terran terms, as I guess ours are in theirs. But finally my receiver crackled and the alien voice said, Everything clear, 13-XV-1. Remain in orbit and the ambassador will be transferred to your ship. Any suspicious move on your part will bring immediate attack from our defense fleet. Don't worry, I'm not going any place. I'll wait right here. I watched in the viewscope as a small ship bellied up from the blue-green world below and approached us. They matched velocities with us, airlock to airlock. Get that fluorine room ready. I ordered my men. The ambassador's coming aboard. The two ships hung side by side in space. Of course, there was no apparent relative motion since we had the same velocity. It was possible to walk back and forth from our ship to theirs. Prepare to receive ambassador came the message from the other ship. His Excellency, Quelf Barkol, and his pet. I'm ready, I said. Our airlock's open. Slowly the lock of the other ship slid back, and two spacesuit figures appeared. The ambassador, Quelf Tharkol, and his pet. Volunteering is a crucial part of any thriving theatre community, and it's also an excellent opportunity to gain arts-related experience while giving back to your community. Javine Bar Theatre and Tambourine Little Mountain Theatre are now offering opportunities for front-of-house and behind-the-scenes work for individuals living in the area. Whether you're skilled with a hammer, love customer service, or interested in stage lighting or costume design, Javine Bar Theatre and Tambourine Little Mountain Theatre are looking for passionate individuals to join their team. Contact information can be found at www.goldcoasttheatre.com.au or click the links provided in this podcast. Now, back to our story. The ambassador was invisible within his spacesuit, but he stood upright and looked to be about the size of a human. I was happy about that. 
it's always a lot easier to negotiate with a humanoid-type alien than with something totally bizarre. I chuckled when I saw the space-suited cat, for so I thought of it. It was cat-sized with a little form-fitting spacesuit, and it scampered after its master on four legs, space-suited tail wagging behind. It was a sort of cute little thing, I thought. No wonder its master didn't care to leave it behind. Everything all set? I asked. Transfer is complete, said the captain of the other ship. He closed his lock and pulled away from us. Close the lock, I ordered. I guessed it to a crewman standing by. Show the ambassador to his room. When the ambassador and his pet were in their special fluorinated states room, I called them on the special television hookup that I had set up between them. They had taken their spacesuits off and were lying sprawled out in their green murky atmosphere. The ambassador in his bunk and the pet in his. I could hardly see into the room over my circuit, but I could see that the ambassador was very human and that the pet was pretty much like a cat, except that he had sharp clawed fingers instead of soft little pads a cat has. Everything all right in there? I asked. Fine. Just fine. And how long will it take to get to Earth? About three weeks, I said. We'll be going in warp any minute. Oh, very well, came the reply. I didn't expect to have many dealings with the ambassador. I had been told that he would have his own food supply and naturally he was confined to his fluorinated states room. So we settled down for a pleasant return trip. But on the second day of warp, I was awakened from sweet dreams by the night engineer. He shoved me in my bunk until I opened one eye and said, What's the matter? It's the cat chief. Cat? What cat? You crazy? Let me go back to sleep. But he was obstinate. The ambassador's pet. It's out of its room. Huh? But it can't breathe. It's wearing a spacesuit, And it's wandering all over the ship snooping around. I caught it in the drive section and up the front of the charts. I don't like it, chief. No, neither do I. I was wide awake all at once. There had been something fishy about this pet business all along, and now I was suspicious. Suppose the pet was a little smarter than a cat. Suppose it was snooping around innocently enough, and actually soaking up vital secret information about the workings of a Terran ship. But I didn't know what to do. My orders stressed the fact that I had to handle the ambassador with kid gloves. But on the other hand, was I supposed to let that creature roam all over the ship? Get me a hookup with home base, I said. And in the meantime, keep an eye on that cat. Don't let it catch wise, but try to follow it around. And don't stop it from roaming. These aliens may be touchy about the funniest things. I got in touch with home base in jig time. Commander Mahoney was the man I spoke to. How's the ambassador, Martin? Oh, that's why I'm calling, sir. You see, the ambassador's pet is creeping all around the ship. It's sort of a cat, but I wonder whether maybe it's doing a, a neat job of spying on us. Have you taken any action yet? No. I wanted to check with home base. Mahoney thought for a moment. I suppose it would be alright to speak to the ambassador about this, and tactfully request that he keep the creature in its own quarters. But be tactful about it, Martin. Remember, we don't want to offend these aliens. It was the middle of the night aboard ship, so I didn't think it would be particularly tactful to call the ambassador just then. I waited until morning, by which time my men reported that the cat had completed its survey and had promptly returned to the ambassador's room. When the television came on, the ambassador and his pet were again reclining leisurely in their bunks. Sorry if I'm disturbing you, I said hesitantly. Oh, that's quite alright. What can I do for you? A matter of shipboard procedure I'd like to point out. It seems last night your pet left the cabin and explored the ship, or so some of my men reported. I'd appreciate it if you restrained the animal to quarters from now on. 
It upsets the shipboard routine. And besides, my instructions request that I keep the operating section of the ship under security wrap. There was silence for a moment. I held my breath, hoping I hadn't said something wrong. Something that might foul up the delicate earth Aldebaran negotiations in progress. Finally, the reply came. I understand fully. I'm sorry about the exploration trip. It was mere curiosity. It won't be repeated. Uh, but you're mistaken about one thing. What's that? I asked, somewhat puzzledly. My pet remained in the cabin all night. I was the one who explored the ship. There was a sneer in his voice. You? But... My mouth clammed shut. And then, I understood. I couldn't keep the flush of embarrassment from my face, and he saw it over the screen. It seemed to please him. Pretty damn clever, I thought. Smart psychology for the aliens to bring a human as a pet, putting our diplomats on the defensive right from the start. The ambassador must have known what I was thinking, for the sneer grew on his face. Then suddenly I grinned. It seemed to surprise him. This he hadn't expected. Captain, something strikes you as humorous. There was uncertainty in his tone, plus a little annoyance. My grin widened. Just a little private joke, Ambassador. I was thinking that this Joker was in for a shock. Two planets could play at this game, and I would have plenty of time to tip off home base. After all, we have pets too. You have just heard The Ambassador's Pet by Alexander Blade, narrated and edited by Nathan Schultz, with music by Kevin McLeod and sound effects by Nathan Schultz. If you enjoyed this production and want to explore more astounding stories, head over to the Drama Merchant website. You can pay what you think is fair for the next 30 days or become a member for $7.99 per month, unlocking access to individual stories and playlists. Your contributions help us produce future audio productions. Additionally, we love to hear your thoughts. Leave a review on the Drama Merchant Facebook page or on the post featuring this episode. All constructive feedback is appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to the Drama Merchant for free and receive emails, access to blogs, and updates on future radio plays and audio stories. And goodbye for now. This was a Drama Merchant audio production.